This is the Oanda Podcast. This is the Oanda Market Insights Podcast, talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the globe. And I'm delighted to say today we're joined by Jeff Halley in Asia Pacific. How are you doing, Jeff? Yes, great to be here. We might get some monsoon thunder and lightning noises coming through during this broadcast. So I'm adding sound effects today. It's a rainy London as well. Let's start before we talk about the markets where you are with what has happened overnight and yesterday in Germany and whether it has any impact on markets whatsoever. According to what I'm reading, it's still very tight. We don't know who is going to be winning this uh, coalition or building a coalition, becoming the new chancellor to replace Angela Merkel. The Social Democrats look set mathematically to win the election, but there's still a coalition to be created. And we will not know who's the chancellor perhaps for months, which means, according to what you've just told me off air, that Angela Merkel is going to be staying in her post for a bit longer. That is exactly correct and, and may be the reason why euro dollar has not moved at all today. It's uh, closed at 117 and 20 in New York and that's where it stayed all day in Asia today. So the SPD, uh, which is not Angela Merkel's party, has won I think 25 or 26 percent of the vote. The CDU, which is her party, has won 24 percent. So both parties are claiming that they can, you know, they have the rights to form a government, which they both actually do under the German uh, election uh, process, but both parties will need a minimum, including themselves, of three parties. So that'll be the Greens and someone else in order to form a government. Now, four years ago, I think it was, when uh, um, Mrs Merkel contested the last election, it took six months to form a coalition agreement. So the way things work in Germany, because things are obviously always organised there, is that uh, Angela Merkel will stay on as Chancellor and her party and the government will stay exactly the same, ministers, everything else, and nothing changes until a new government is formed and then it's um, handed over. So I, I think uh, although the uncertainty around this result was well forecast and it's pretty much gone to what uh, everybody thought it would as far as the split and the votes and the breakdowns and everything, there's no tenseness in the market because it is effectively business as usual until a government is formed, be that a week from now, be that six months from now. So just when the German people were getting all emotional and sentimental about their Chancellor and saying, you know, Auf Wiedersehen, uh, Mutti, they're going to be seeing a bit more of her for, I mean, if you're right and we have months and months of it, she might actually end up being at COP26. Yeah, it could well be a very long goodbye. And markets, they don't like... Uh, uncertainty do they uh, perhaps uh, they don't really mind which party actually takes control and which chancellor takes over but they don't like uncertainty and this uh, isn't necessarily going to go down particularly well is it yeah it, it shouldn't shake the vote too much I mean on one side you have a centre-left party on the other side you have a centre-right party so they're both sort of each side of centre if, if, if you like the Greens are obviously a bit more of a uh, the Greens and a coalition partner, which will probably be a pro-business party, they're sort of opposite sides of each other. So that's what's going to make forming a coalition this time quite challenging, uh, I, I believe. But they'll get there in the end. But as you said, markets don't like uh, uncertainty, but there's nothing more certain than Angela Merkel. Interesting that we're going to see 
possibly a coalition between the Greens and uh, big business when we've got net zero on the horizon. And as I said, COP26, well, uh, that, that'll be an interesting one to watch in the next uh, few days. What about um, the markets where you are? Um, I see that Chinese stocks are up, which may be a bit of a surprise. Uh, why has that happened? Yeah, look, I must admit I've been in a state of modest confusion all day today, uh, in all honesty, about some of the price action I've seen. Um, uh, also, uh, the US dollar is quite firm and US yields firmed on Friday, which it would normally be a negative for stocks and basically Wall Street closed flat. I can only put it down to a dissipation of fear aversion uh, with regards to Evergrande. Now, Evergrande headlines were pretty quiet this weekend. Uh, no real new developments. They have another dollar coupon that they are supposed to be paying this week as well, but another 30-day uh, grace period will occur on that. But uh, I, I think it's a case of no news is good news. So I think uh, investors went into the weekend cautious and reduced exposure. Uh, when there's been no horrific developments over the weekend, they've uh, reinitiated those exposures. We've seen Singapore rally strongly, uh, led by banks and big property companies. They're up 1.4%. Japan's up 0.3%, uh, South Korea's in the green. But in China, we've seen the Shanghai 50, which is the very narrow index of these big behemoth banks, telcos, state-owned enterprises. It's really 1.5%. The CSI 300's up 0.9%, and Hong Kong's also up 1% as well. And that's, but when you look at the Shanghai, the wider Shanghai, it's down 0.5%. So I suspect that uh, what we're seeing is some subtle uh, interventions, shall we say, by the mainland government in the stock markets. What they normally do is uh, get some of these big state-owned uh, fund managers or investment managers to come in and buy lots of stocks when things start looking a bit shaky. And I, I suspect that that's what's been going on today in Asia. Uh, commodities and energy have also rallied strongly, and that's, of course, lifted uh, Australian stocks quite, quite, quite high as well. They're up over 1% too. Yeah, just looking at some of the commodity numbers brent crude approaching 80 dollars uh around about 79 at the moment natural gas continues its rise as well it's up two percent from uh, where i'm looking uk natural gas futures up two percent um so as you know we have an issue in this country with uh, uh petrol and diesel running out um fortunately i didn't do a panic buy on friday morning i went to the uh petrol station friday morning jeff uh, not a problem at all just filled up by friday evening there were queues of 50 to 100 cars at the same petrol station amazing how a few hours can make such a difference and let's be honest um without the press without the media talking this up this might not be have been a, a problem but it is now yes yes indeed and, and and it does appear from my research over the weekend that there is plenty of petroleum products in britain it's just that they're all in these big tank storage farms and at refineries and there's not enough lorry drivers or truck drivers to get these tankers around when we saw this panic buying it's a bit like a run into the bank the bank never has enough money to pay everybody out at the same time but when queues form outside they can physically run out of money even if actually they haven't run out of money and, and I think this is the same we're seeing in the UK, but it's coming at a time when there's a lot of nervousness about energy prices in general. We already know that some electricity companies, I believe, have gone out of business in the UK, gas companies. Gas, natural gas, and oil equivalent is trading at around, I think, just over 140 US dollars a barrel. So that's not far off nearly twice what Brent crude 
is, is trading at. Uh, we've got winter coming. It, this uh, logistical uh, issue in the UK where there's just not enough truck drivers in the country to actually move everything around and they can't produce them fast enough is uh, obviously causing a lot of nervousness and tension, this winter of discontent, empty supermarket shelves, the whole lot. So it's just unfortunate that these scare stories regarding petrol supplies came out against that backdrop. Um, it has weighed a bit on sterling. Sterling's only slightly down today, but it did close lower uh, on Friday. And I think uh, if it falls through 136, we could be in for a substantial fall in, in sterling over the course of this week. And I think it will weigh on UK equities today as well. Amazing, isn't it? We've been talking for over 10 minutes now. We haven't mentioned COVID once. But so many of these issues are, as a result, uh, are the fallout of these last 18 months uh, of COVID. But in terms of how we're dealing with the crisis now, it almost feels like it's partially over, doesn't it, really? And we're just trying to get back to normal, but there are repercussions um, of what's happened and it's a significant few days here in the UK uh, we're coming to the end of the quarter here and that also means the final end of the furlough scheme so it'll be interesting to see how many uh, people are able to go back to their original work or in fact have to go and find new jobs um, the numbers as far as I can see aren't anything as like as bad as they were threatened to be just uh, a few months ago they were talking about millions being out of work uh, after the furlough was ended but it looks to be a, a lot more encouraging than that which is a uh, very good news in actual fact as we've talked about on this podcast a number of times you know we have a problem with filling vacancies rather than people being out of work it'll just be about it, It'd just be a case of, of, of fitting the two together. Uh, it's not that easy just to sort of uh, replace people with other people who've lost their job elsewhere. But I think uh, there, there's still a million people or so on furlough at the moment. And uh, some may probably opt for retirement. The young people, I understand, young workers have slotted back into work much quicker than the older generation. So it will be interesting to see what happens with the unemployment numbers once things settle down. Yeah, it's a trend that we've seen in the United States as well, where the the headline figure of sort of three and a half million Americans less uh, still out of a job compared to pre-COVID is not quite the right number because uh, there's a lot more um, home care that's required for children who can't go back to school. But another significant area is uh, older workers who have chosen that moment to take early retirement or have retired. So you know that headline figure may not be as great as uh, what was once uh, expected. And I, I think I could clearly see the same situation in the UK. The UK's issues have also been compounded by Brexit. And that's not me being anti-Brexit. It's just that without all this foreign labour, particularly these uh, lorry drivers being able to work in the UK at the moment, these uh, these sectors that were vulnerable to labour shortages, those problems have been magnified. And there's a lag in actually filling that with the domestic labour supply. But then things are also being magnified by the pandemic with all these logistics and supply chain blockages, which were going to cause issues anyway. So it's sort of uh, like a, a, a negative a negative spiral, if, if, if you like. And it's like a perfect storm of factors have come together at the same time. Mm. OK, let's look ahead to the next seven days or so. What are you expecting to be the standout highlight moments? What's on the horizon? 
Yeah, we're running into the end of the quarter, so we're bound to get some uh, unusual price action towards the end of uh, the week anyway, as books are, 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 are rebalanced for the, for the, for the coming uh, quarter, and we'll probably have some expiries and futures and options across a variety of asset classes. Data-wise, we've got the China PMIs, Purchasing Manager Indexes, coming out on Thursday. Now, I think that one's going to be very important because the numbers were really soft last month, and I think uh, it's going to be quite a headwind for stocks and the global recovery trade's going to struggle a bit if that data is soft again. We also have uh, US uh, personal uh, consumption and expenditure data coming out towards the end of this week as well. And uh, that is the first uh, peal of thunder and lightning that I promised uh, listeners earlier in the uh, program. Uh, so uh, those, are, I think, are going to be the two main uh, indicators. Now, the PCE is a favourite indicator for the Fed, so if that comes out quite high, that will increase the tapering noise. So I think on balance this week, the data is potentially pointing towards a heavier equity market because the risks are uh, tilted that way that it could be negative for stocks into the end of this week. Okay, Jeff, we'll leave you to the storms. <laughs> It's variable ride of the Valkyries here at the moment. That sounds very dramatic. Uh, enjoy the week, and we'll speak to you again in the next few days or so. Have a great week. Wonderful. Thanks for having me along. The Oanda Podcast.